This episode is brought to you by our partnership with Kelly Education. I always go back to like, how did I feel? How was my first two years so in the good. U.S.? The, like, it, you know, one of the things I used to get in trouble was for self-control. Like, I, I got the system down, but at first, I was one of those students. So I always think yeah. of how was that little ordeal in the beginning. Yeah. And I try to remember that when I'm expecting the same for my sure. students. I'm like, okay, how was I? Welcome back for another episode of the Ignite Project Podcast. We're so excited that you could join us today. And let me tell you, all of our guests, we say this every time, are incredible. I personally am a little biased with our guest today because I had had the opportunity to meet her at our new teacher boot camp. So not only is she a new teacher, but she brings a wealth of experience with her. And so... Odile Perez, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like this is such a big honor. Thank you so much, Ms. Mallory. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to be here. I feel like you're kind of part of the family now that we've had the new teacher boot camp. For those of you who don't know, that's usually a new teacher. Like new teacher boot camp is when you are a career changer or a first year teacher. We have that in July, so you got to hang out with us virtually. Yes. In July, so different being on screen versus like in person. Totally. But we spend like four days with each other um, but on top of that that's how we met and we just had uh, a new teacher chat together just to kind of get to know one another and through that chat I learned so much about you it so, was so fun <laughs> um, for those who are wondering what you do and who you are just so they can kind of befriend you a little bit and not call you a stranger um, you are an ESOL teacher at Garner Elementary and so you come from a little bit of background. You are not an education background. So no. what was your original degree in? Um, my undergrad is in international business and Spanish. Okay. And then you, this is what I found out and I <laughs> love about you. I'm all about it. You went to school in London. Yes, I did. So right after undergrad, my mentor was like, I was working and she's like, you need to go back to school. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. And I love glo global affairs. She's like, why don't you look at London? So with her guidance, I applied to London School of Economics and I did a, uh, my master's in global politics and global civil so so society. Yeah. yeah so it's a <laughs> it's big mouthful. mouthful. Global civil society. They would fail me I if know, I can't even <laughs> pronounce the, the master's. No, when you told me that, I was like, I'm going to let her say that. <laughs> and you were there for how long? I was there for four years. So I did my, my undergrad, uh, my grad, and then I got a job immediately after. That's insane. And that's amazing because not only are you learning about um, different parts of global aspects of things, but you are like immersing yourself in a completely different culture. I know they speak English, but at the same time, it's just like the way they do things, the way they carry themselves, phrases and, and the terminology, living in London. Yes. I mean, come on. It was amazing. It was a great opportunity because my job in, in, that, in that particular season was to work with um, global agents basically okay. in, in a program called uh, Diaspora Volunteering Program. Okay. So it was immigrants 
but basically diaspora, so someone who moves from a different country to another country, they relocate, and they would go back home. They had a specific skill, so we were talking about doctors or teachers yeah. who had a skill, gained abroad, and bring it back home. So we would have dialogues, and then when they go back to their home countries, they would transfer those skills that they saw were gapping and missing to bring education back in the okay. UK. So it was a really cool. Yeah, it sounds yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. But really what captures my attention is you took parts of that when you decided to pursue like your long lifetime dream and goal to become a teacher, you brought some of that with you. Um, obviously being an ESOL teacher, having students who are immersing themselves in a different culture, maybe possibly even a different country and just understanding what's going on around them. That's so powerful to bring that experience with you. So not everyone has to be an education <laughs> major to bring that knowledge. No, anyone who loves kids and who loves to share where they know, I I think has a calling can be a teacher so, anyone who has that passion yeah and I I think with that today I really want to kind of focus on we're talking about disciplining children and having the entire um, child in mind the whole child in mind mm -hmm. and sometimes with that there are things that we as teachers or even as children miscommunication happens um, there's misconceptions misunderstandings that take place and so that really can cause some division, especially building relationships with your students within the classroom. So first off, I want to kind of start off going back, New Teacher Bootcamp. Okay. Was there a strategy that has really helped that you just took a hold of and has really helped you in working with your students, communicating with your students that's been impactful? First of all, I would say that if you are a new teacher <laughs> and if you are even a returning teacher, yeah. do the bootcamp. Because for me, it was life-saving. I think that I had the mindset to say, okay, I'm going to implement these strategies. If I had not been there, I think I would have been very lost. I mean, yeah. the, you, as a first-year student, you're a first-year teacher, you're really scared, you're nervous. Yeah. And, and obviously, you continue to learn throughout the year. But the skills that I gained before getting into the classroom really helped me be prepared the best I could. Right. Um, so I gained so much. I love yeah, it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I, I, I do a lot of the green light, red light. You know, I'm not going <laughs> to give it all away. But um, one of the things that I really took away is focusing on the positive. Mm. Um, so we saw um, ref redirecting behavior. Um, I love the videos that were shown and, and, and mirroring the good behavior, good practice that the teacher right. were doing. So for instance, rather than um, focusing on the student that is not following the champion rules, focusing on what the student is doing right. So for instance, I would say, Marjorie, I love how you're you're on target today. Yeah. And then that student is like, oh, okay, I love it. So yeah, I want to do the two. And actually, uh, I, I, I've been implementing that. So, cool. you know, sometimes your action is to focus on the student that is not doing the right so thing. So easy to do that. It's right. So easy. I think, and that, it sticks out as a green thumb, especially when you're already overworked, frustrated, or you're just really looking at that follow through, mm -hmm. finding, you know, that those students who are following through with your task and direction, and yeah. to how powerful it is that you're retraining your mind, your thoughts from the get-go, from the beginning, to make sure you're implementing that in your classroom. Exactly. And even even how you set up your classroom, because you can set your classroom, which we learned with you, from a preventative mm -hmm. or to a celebratory approach. Right. What am I going to celebrate? What am I going to reward? And so if you have that in your environment from, from the beginning, your teachers, your students are going to be like, okay, she's going to highlight, she's going to reward the good behavior rather than 
uh, disciplining the whole time. Right. So coming back to um, when we focus on the not so approving behavior that a student maybe is doing and is unaware, um, oftentimes there's barriers, that miscommunication. So I know that with the students that you work with or any student that we work with, we could give a direction, right? And then all of a sudden we know that they're not following through with that direction. I know that as a teacher of my past, I wanted to immediately like either repeat myself quickly. I did not want to wait and kind of see if they would catch in on some of those clues. Um, but what might cause some of these barriers where students are either misunderstanding or there's miscommunication happening? There's so many things that could be a barrier. Um, in, in my particular specialty or work, there's an ESOL, there's so many different things could be a language barrier, a right. cultural barrier, or just a system barrier. Mm. Um, because, for instance, um, you know, something that we learned in the boot camp is silent solo, right? That's very common. Yeah. But if a student is just coming into the U.S., their system, they have maybe never done silent solo. They yeah. usually probably did a lot of collaborative teamwork because okay. there's a different cultural background. So we have to be careful of what we think is normal or what should we expect the student to be doing. One for, for one example, for instance, is when we think, okay, my students should be able to follow along with technology, right? Mm, yeah. We are used We're to We're surrounded it. by it, right? Yes. We think everybody knows it. how to do it. A child knows how to operate. But I mean, my nephews can like type in my sister-in-law's password on her phone <laughs> exactly. and open up apps. Like we just assume that they're, they're born with it. Exactly. Like the same here. Like my nephews too and he knows some tricks yeah. that I don't even know right <laughs> but for instance if a student just came into the U.S. do, do we know if they've been exposed right. to an iPad to an iPhone is it is it something that they're used to I had an instance recently where a student she's never worked on an iPad before wow, yeah. she was coming from a different environment so if, if I was her teacher and, and, and it's common that we right. like just follow along yeah but she's never even used it so how can she follow along or how can he follow along and and those are things that we have to check where is my student coming from right what is his background or her background right what am I assuming that is universal that may not be universal from a student from a different country and kind of being willing to take a step back and watch that take place where another student could kind of show them plugging in an iPad, right? When you're talking about where it gets plugged in, how it gets plugged in, we kind of make that statement, go plug it in. And then all of a sudden we turn our backs and we're on to the next thing. But being able to have like what you're saying, those things set in place where that student doesn't necessarily feel left out or feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail from the get-go because I don't know how to do this, or what even in is this device? Exactly. <laughs> like, for instance, if you're coming from Europe, right, one right. of the things that really was like, like minimum, but it made a big difference is that the prongs in the in the cord to plug in are very different. Oh, they're yes. not the same. They're not the same. So if I'm gonna plug in, I'm like, oh wait, it's missing three. So that's the same thing. So even yeah. when we're having a new student, if we have a system, we should walk them through mm. the first week, the first yeah. two weeks. This is how we do it. But with a lot of love and caring and showing them, it may be something very simple, but right. it can be a big difference maker. Right. And that student's attitude. So what are some things that you've noticed in some of your students that maybe are very common that maybe as teachers or as educators, we need to kind of maybe keep in mind? Oof, there, that's a loaded one. <laughs> like, there's a list. Um, <laughs> 
Top three, top three. No, <laughs> top three. Well, one thing I could say is it depends who you're working with, okay. right? No student it's is the same. same. Yeah. We know that, right? No, not not, not every size fits the same. Every right. no one's not. It's not the same size. But we need to get to know the student. But for instance, if I'm working with a, a Hispanic student and he is very or she is very loud, right? right? Very talkative. Does their work, but they're talkative. Do I want to understand which background was it normal for them to do their work and talk and talk when they're not supposed to? Yeah. And, and redirecting them. Because is that causing a distraction or is it simply just like a way of how they're communicating and processing? Exactly. Yeah. Or is it because they are used to, used to the environment? The yeah. environment being talkative even while you're doing your work, right? right? So I have to make sure that I, I understand that. And also that I make sure that I'm not generalizing because not all Hispanics are the same. True, yes. So if you're from the Caribbean, you're not the same <laughs> that if you're from South America. Right. So it's different. It's just from one community. So one thing I would check is, am I understanding the student as a whole? Second of all, am I understanding the student's needs? Um, if they're new to the country, right? Yeah. Are they going to a big transition? Because now this student is making new friends. Probably their family dynamics has totally shifted. Right. Uh, do they have everything they need to succeed? So understanding them and their family dynamics, it's really important. Yeah. Um, and then also I would add, if there are classroom management tools that you want in your classroom that to be followed, are they understanding why? That's so good, because I know that oftentimes we, we share this philosophy of like, as a teacher, you want them to do something, and you know there's a purpose behind it, but do they know that purpose? Do they fully understand what that purpose is going to lead to? And if they don't, having that conversation of, I'm asking you to do this, do you know why I'm asking you to do this, and kind of moving forward with that conversation um, is so powerful, that why, Exactly, because sure. we need to paint the success. What What is our goal? What are right. we trying to do as a classroom and you're part of that classroom you're part of our success but if I don't understand that I'm dealing with all these changes in my life even if I've just moved from up north it's different environment yeah. but if I am invited to be part of the winning team and I understand the reasoning I'm more likely to participate right, than, right. and to comply right yeah so um, talking about shifting from student focus, what they're coming from thinking about to teachers, um, what are some things that teachers might be doing? And again, we're going to generalize this because I know <laughs> I'm going to throw myself under the table first and foremost before anybody. I've done so many things that later on as a mentor, somebody's approached me or just through experience and looking back and saying, oh, that was me. That was not the student. So what are some things that maybe teachers are doing that we're doing out of habit? or maybe not being aware of that's only frustrating the situation for those students. And it, it, it goes back to what we talked about in the, in, in the boot camp, is assuming the best. Mm. Sometimes yeah. we assume the worst. We, when the yeah. student's not participating, I had a case that happened to me, and I tried to be very aware, but this happened recently to oh. me. Um, the student, we had small group, and I tried to be very inclusive, but this student was a little bit hesitant. She was mm -hmm. like, mm, I'm not going to engage that much. Yeah. And I was just assuming that she was shy. Right. Right? So I'm like, no, okay. And I was like, she's just timid. I'm just going to work. pull it out of her. Little by little. And I'm going to keep pushing yeah. just a little by little. And then I had a dialogue with her homeroom mm -hmm. teacher. 
And she said, no, Miss Perez, this student is going through this and this and wow, this and yeah. this and this and this. And all these things that I would never think that someone in our district would have to face. Yeah. And that we have, we are burnt out. We are tired. There's a little time to process. We're going from one thing to the next. And so keeping that positive in mind. Um, so as we're disciplining students or talking through with them, um, what are some strategies that you would recommend as a teacher's perspective that we don't get to this point where we're like, oh, I wish I would have known that. Or I look back like myself three years ago and I'm like, ah, I made a mistake. And I, can't <laughs> come back. I can't come back from that. So what are some <laughs> strategies And before applying a discipline? We know that there's like definitely you crossed the line. There was a boundary. Yes. You There is a disciplinary action that needs to take place. But how do we, what are some strategies in understanding the child before going straight to that disciplining? First, Take a break. Yeah. Walk away. Oh, I think. Love it. Yeah. Take yes. a break. Don't go from the emotion. Don't let yeah. the emotion lead you. Yeah. Take a break. Even on, you don't have to correct right there. Take it's a so hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. <laughs> I I I mean I don't know if I can say that, but I just start in my mind. I I do a meditation. I pray. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let me just recollect my emotions. And in this moment, I'm I'm not gonna give the power away. Yeah. To something external. Yeah. So I regroup internally and then I I'm a I'm so a So what is the student doing while you're doing that? When I'm recollecting, I'm yeah. like oh, I, I will go back to my iPhone okay right now, uh, let's say Peter, his name is Sick Peter. Thank you very much. At this moment can you please have a seat? We'll have a dialogue and we'll have a dialogue at some point. Okay. I'm giving him that direction. I'm pausing and then when you're ready when I'm ready have time you'll come back and revisit I'll come it. back. Yeah. And it can be that same day or it can be next day. I've had that moment where I have had to, and that moment I'm really like, I want to say everything on my mind. <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> but that what I do is I take a mm -hmm. break, then I think yeah. through the process of the situation, and then the next day I'll have a one-on-one -on -one with that student. Yeah, my coworker um, had a great idea. We had this back office, so it reminds me of when you have that moment, we would just kind of say, instead of sending the kid back there, we would oftentimes, like, the kids would continue working. We would say that, making sure it's just to that individual. They're not being called out in front of the class. And then we would go back there, and sometimes I would be like, <laughs> and I would, I would process with her and be like, this is what's happening. Please give me some guidance. And she just kind of like, well, like, you can be back here. They don't know why you're back here. Just take a couple deep breaths. Let them kind of independently work where they're focused and then readdress and continue on with the lesson. And then when you're ready, go to that student and talk to that student when you need or have that opportunity. So I love that it can be like this personal thing of redirecting the student exactly. and you taking that break as well. Um, Adam, we had him on our show early on and he was kind of the same, the same thing. Don't ever allow your emotions to control the situation. Exactly. Like adults more than anybody need the break exactly. than the student because the adults are the one that are finding that solution and sometimes maybe that right moment is not the time to find that solution exactly and if you allow the student to know that you can be triggered mm -hmm. then that student can have the power to get your attention that way right that way yeah. he knows that you're going to react so they're very intelligent i'm not saying that all students are they're doing yeah. out of a malice well, when you're at it when you're in frustration communication is not 
solid. Exactly. Like, we know that. <laughs> exactly. It's not clear. It's not um, organized. And so it's, you haven't processed through the facts. And so being able to settle, then you can come to the table and talk about maybe where that miscommunication was. Um, we often in our office use the Brene Brown phrase, like the story I'm telling myself, mm-hmm. um, and talk through. As an adult, like stating that, stating that, and kind of talking to them and allowing them to share their response. And Ex- that's where you find out, maybe this student doesn't know what an iPad is. Exactly. And, and Or maybe the mm-hmm. student is not used to this dynamic between right. teacher and student. They have a different dynamic right. in their background. So I didn't even think about that Yeah, either. you have to understand, like, yeah. you know, some students, for instance, there's, like, you don't talk back to a teacher or maybe mm-hmm. they do talk back. It depends on the dynamic the that they're exactly that they're used to. And yeah. so you you can say this is how I expect it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's something I do. This is how we expect it here because right. of this and this and this. And I expect you to 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 comply because of this and this mm-hmm. and this. Can we work together? Right. Yeah. And yes. And talk through that. And yeah. work through it and talk communication. I think that we, when we have communication and we have dialogue and we set common ground rules, we can work together. Absolutely. And it's going to take some time, or especially when you're not used to the environment or the student has not yet developed a relationship with you. Um, So that may take time until you get to that like in sync mode where like magic is happening. (laughs) Exactly. And one thing too, I think that what I try to do every day is three things that I'm grateful for. Nice. I love that. Yes, because... Does everybody go through that? Everybody in your class talk about it? No, no, because personally. personally, That's a good idea. We are doing what you're thankful for activity this week for for, for Thanksgiving. (laughs) But but if we could, I think that's a great idea. I'm going to implement that every day. (laughs) What are you thankful for? I I just have little sessions with our students. But I think that for me, I have to do that Mm. because if I am excited and if I am happy and if I am feeling passionate about my job, it's going to be easier for me to teach. I was just reading out of a book. um, They mentioned Brene again, but the book wasn't from Brene. It was from um, Luke uh, Norworthy, I believe. And he was talking about a quote from Brene. And he was saying that oftentimes we assume that gratitude and joy can be separate or compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. And really they're not. Anybody that you see who is actively practicing gratitude, like you are saying what you're grateful for, three things every single day, is coinciding with joy. There's more joy that's present in their life. And so when it only makes sense if the teacher is actively practicing gratitude and trying to get to understand the whole student, the whole child and where they're coming from, then they're more likely to have a better experiencing with the communication factor. They're less likely to have some of those barriers and just to understand both sides. Exactly. I love that. Imagine if you, every time I try to do this with our students is, Thank you for doing that. Thank you for participating today. Thank yeah. you for reading that they verse. Are. They have a choice. Yeah. And they're actively participating in that choice when they go through that activity. Exactly. Or so a task. Especially ESO students, it's really intimidating to read in a language that you don't I cannot <laughs> imagine. I tried to teach myself German at a young age. <laughs> it stopped. Exactly. That was when cassette tapes were around. <laughs> and even when you go into a room and you're like the first person there, your new person, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so, like, you get nervous, that right? That's why I'm so, I love that you, you like went to school in London because <laughs> I'm like, regardless, you put yourself through that for four years. You immerse 
immersed yourself in that. And it's got to be so intimidating and scary. But how amazing is that these students have somebody who's gone through a similar situation that can talk them through and a colleague can rely on you to provide some of that feedback um, so that you can better help the success of your student, your classroom, the school. Exactly. That's I think awesome. my biggest, though, my biggest experience is that I was an ESOL student myself. Yeah. And I always, when I... Go back to that. I always go back to that. Back to I always room. go back to, like, how did I feel? How was my first two years so in the good. U.S.? Like, it, you know, one of the things I used to get in trouble was for self-control. Like, <laughs> I, I got the system down, but at first, I was one of those students. So I always think yeah. of how was that little ordeal in the beginning. Yeah. And I try to remember that when I'm expecting the same for my sure. students. I'm like, okay, how was I? When my mom had to come in and, and educate me, the system is different. You don't yeah. do this this way. But it took me two years or three years to really That's understand. Yeah, and I think for someone who has never experienced that, like, I can say that probably my fuse would be done after a couple months. Like, <laughs> so that's so powerful that you have your life experience to pour into these students and that they have somebody who's actually connecting with them based on their own story. Yeah, and I think that if you're not, like, you're like, oh, well, if I'm not from that background, I can't. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah, invite, what, can, what can we do? Exactly. If you If you have never been in that experience, go to a different part of the town yeah. that you don't understand that culture in right. the town. And immerse yourself for a day there or an hour. Our, our Florida is so diverse that we can well, find Well, county that. alone. You can drive <laughs> 10 minutes that way and you're in a different area. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I'm from Orlando. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is so different. Even like, yeah. wow, the way they do things is different. So even it may not be a language thing, but mm. it may be a philosophy of life. Being... Being uncomfortable is the best way to learn. Ah, yes, I love it. <laughs> All right, so we love to ask every single guest the same question. Um, it's part of kind of what makes our podcast special because we get to hear passion from you and kind of connect with other teachers and educators within our area. But if you really could pick one thing in education to ignite and spark a change, what would it be? So I want to ignite what? I would love, there's so many things I want to ignite, but I would love to ignite dialogues around diversity. Mm. Um, I think that while having meaningful dialogues, we can really truly understand each other and understand that we're all different. Even if we look the same, we have different backgrounds. And while we operate from understanding and dialogue and conversation, we can truly be bridges through our communities. And when we build those bridges is where we can really truly impact all the students, our communities, and have a great, good and powerful uh, educational background and community work what together. What an incredible answer. I love that. I think that every we know every single person on this planet is different. <laughs> so we know that every single conversation and experience is different too. And we've got to have those conversations in order to kind of build some of those relationships and bridge those gaps. So And we can find that we're more alike than we think. Ah, yes. Yeah, you're <laughs> not an island. You are not an island. Exactly. You heard it first. <laughs> we, we are we, not an island. We have so <laughs> many things in common that sometimes we don't even know and then yeah. operating from there can build such I, a- and I feel like meeting you at the new teacher boot camp and all this stuff I would have never guessed that you did school in London and just having the 30 minutes to talk to you it was so powerful and enlightening so I'm so happy that you joined us here today thank you so much <laughs> thank you it's been so excited I'm so grateful to meet you and to be part of this <laughs> awesome district I'm so grateful that it. together we can be an impact for our students and for our community absolutely thank you <laughs> are you fired up 
You can continue to fuel the fire by connecting with us here in teacher engagement. Every month we host virtual all teacher seminars and we also have ongoing programs designed to support teachers wherever they're at in their teaching career. Whether you're a new teacher or a teacher leader, there is a way to get plugged in. Follow us on social media at at Teach Engage PCPS to see all that we have going on. Let's keep that spark alive and join forces with others who have chosen to stay ignited. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to the Ignite Project on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or watch online at the Polk County Public Schools YouTube channel. To learn more about the Ignite Project and other Polk County Public Schools podcasts, go to polkschoolsfl.com forward slash podcasts.